0: Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. It is good to be back from our two-day vacation. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland, it's the Indians 3, the Chicago Cubs 2. I'm Davey Barris, a lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. First, we have a rainout, then we have a Scheduled off day, but now we are back to playing baseball. Of course, anytime the Cubs are in town or we're in Wrigley, we're all going to think about the 2016 World Series. And I, I mean, I'm surprised there are still a couple of faces on that Cubs team compared to the Indians that were around for that 2016 World Series. I, you still have the big part of the lineup you have Bryant, Rizzo, Contreras, Hayward. Even though he didn't play because uh, I think it was a back injury or something like that, you got Javi Baez still there in Chicago. That's, That's a pretty decent core still there five years later after that World Series. For the Indians, the only one in the lineup, the only one in the lineup that was there for the 2016 World Series is Jose Ramirez. Of course, Roberto Perez is hurt. Brian Shaw was there but didn't pitch tonight. So yeah, it's... It's been a much, much bigger turnover in Cleveland than it was in Chicago. All right. A uh, little bit of a – I'll let you in on a little bit of a production note. This is, not, uh, this is not being recorded in the morning. I have an incredibly early morning on Wednesday morning. So I'm actually recording this the night before. The game just ended. I'm dropping down this podcast. And when that happens, a new segment on the show, this is now Cleveland Baseball nightly i heard that sound drop and i was like oh yeah i gotta work that into the show it's a new groove now a different feel a little calmer a little slower we're chilling at the end of the night it's like 11 o'clock eastern i'm probably going to bed after i drop this podcast and uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna chill a little bit and talk a little baseball. So we're gonna talk about something that we don't normally talk about on the show because it's hard to quantify it. It's hard to see it in a box score, uh, you know, unless you're there taking notes during the game. We're gonna talk about defense because this game tonight, the biggest storyline in this game was defense, and. Uh, the Cubs did have a couple of good plays themselves, but I'm going to focus, obviously, on the Indians' defense. It is an Indians' podcast. Uh, I will give Anthony Rizzo a little credit because he dove across first base in a foul territory and made a play on a, on a ball that, at least listening to the radio broadcast, I thought for sure was extra bases down the line. And then somehow Rizzo is there catching the ball and uh, making the out. But, yeah, I mean, the first... Pitch of the game is a line drive, over a hundred mile per hour line drive back at Shane Bieber, and he snags it for an out. Absolutely phenomenal reflexes. Jock Peterson's line out was 111.5 miles per hour back up the middle, and an expected batting average of 7.10. 7.10. And uh, Shane Bieber gets his glove up there. That is 100% instinct and snares that line drive for the first out of the game. That one was incredible. Uh, But the defense just keeps coming. He actually gets into a ton of trouble in that first. In the second inning, he gets into a ton of trouble. The first inning went really smooth. The second inning, he gets into a ton of trouble after already giving up a run. He's got the bases loaded, nobody out. He strikes out Vargas to get the first out. That is always the thing about Shane Bieber. And that is why he stays so calm on the mound, right? He is calm. He is relaxed on the mound, even with bases loaded in the second inning after already giving up a run because Anthony Rizzo led off with a double. He gets the strikeout on Vargas and then gets Sogard to ground into a double play to get out of it. And that was huge. I mean, that's absolutely huge. And he always has that strikeout as a weapon in his back pocket. Even with the bases loaded and nobody out, he doesn't have to panic because he knows that strikeout is coming. He knows that weapon is there. He knows how to be aggressive against hitters and get those strikeouts. Strikeouts, sometimes, yes, sometimes strikeouts happen by luck. I feel like when it comes to Shane Bieber, he knows how to get those strikeouts, and it absolutely saves him in the second inning. The Indians would continue to have fantastic defense. They would get a double play to get out of the third inning. After Chris Bryant doubles with one out, Chris Bryant, who's been talking about hitting the high fastball now, he went back and changed his whole approach. It was actually a great story um, from the broadcast. I think I was watching the TV broadcast at that point. Talking about how his dad had him hitting off a tee in the offseason. And then in the cage taking 200 swings on only high fastballs. They changed his stance. They got his hands higher. And now he is on like an MVP track right now to start the season. Those are the kind of details I want to hear about the Indians hitters. I want to hear what the Indians hitters are doing to adjust. Who spent the entire offseason only hitting changeups, you know, in the cage. We don't hear those stories about the Indians' offense. And we'll have something at the end of the episode about hitting. Um, yeah, it was, it was an interesting story. And then Brian doubles off the wall to prove to you, yes, he is really locked in right now. Unfortunately, he had to leave the game because of illness. They didn't really disclose what was going on. But, um, yeah, hopefully he's back tomorrow because, like Hamilton and Rosie said, he is a guy that's worth watching. And you, you don't want to see guys hurt or out. You want to you want to face their team. You want to match up with them and go at it and try to beat them. Uh, so, yeah, a double play. Anyways, he's on second base. Matt Duffy hits a screamer, 106.4 miles per hour. It had an expected batting average of 870. And Jake Bowers gets up, gets up, and snags this line drive at the top of his vertical leap. I am telling you that stat isn't on baseball savant here, but I want to know what Jake Bowers vertical was on that because I'm pretty sure that was the extent that was everything that Jake Bowers possibly had possibly had. And Bowers is a tall dude. He, uh, let's see what he stands at here. All right. They've got him listed at six one. So not a giant, but a decent height. And, uh, I don't think he could have left any higher. An inch higher, and that ball is going into right field, and Chris Bryant is probably scoring. Uh, Instead, he snares it and fires back to second for the double play. So once again, defense absolutely getting it done. Um, Later in the game, uh, there's a bunt attempt, and Hedges is able... There's runners on first and second, and there's a bunt attempt drop down, a sacrifice bunt to move the runners up with nobody out. Hedges leaps out of his crouch, snares the ball, and fires a third without hesitation to get the lead runner there. That was a huge play. That was an absolutely huge play. And uh, the Indians are able to get out of that GM. I believe that was the fourth inning. Uh, I believe it was Bodie trying to bunt. And uh, then Hayward grounds out. And again, the strikeout. Again, he gets Vargas to strike out. That sets up uh, the Indians to score their first run in the bottom of the fourth inning, which we will come back around to because we still have more defense to talk about. then in the seventh inning um while uh, Bieber is fighting to stay in this game he's absolutely battling he's up over a hundred pitches again the defense picks him up this time it's a strike him out throw him out, double play. One of the most fun double plays in baseball. Jock Peterson had let off the inning with a single, and then uh, martini works into a full count, I believe. And Peterson keeps going on the pitch. And I believe Martini fouls one off. Yes, he actually fouls two off, he fouls off two knuckle curves that were both down before finally going down to the high fastball, a four-seamer at 92.4 miles per hour, up and away. So, yeah, he had been pounding the knuckle curveball in there. In fact, the last six pitches had all been knuckle curveballs, and we will get to that in a second. Finally goes back to the four-seam fastball, gets him to swing through it, and then hedges, man, he is really good behind the plate. He fires down and gets Jack Peterson trying to steal second. So a third double play for the Indians. And then Classe in the ninth inning, the last batter of the game, after two batters at Peterson and Martini had singled off of him. Remember, Martini is the one who came in for Chris Bryant when Chris Bryant wasn't feeling well. And then Matt Duffy, uh, their number three hitter, which in this lineup, I'm, I'm shocked We'll have to dig in more to Matt Duffy and who Matt Duffy is and some of these hitters, some of these names in this Cubs lineup maybe for tomorrow's show, because I don't know who half these guys are. Uh, but Matt Duffy is hitting third for the Chicago Cubs, and he's having himself a pretty good season. He's hitting .297 with a .738 OPS. So, uh, yeah, he's having a pretty good season so far. And going up against Class A and Klasse was throwing hard tonight. Class a was just... Letting it rip over 100 miles per hour. He does throw him one slider in this bat, but just kept attacking with the cutter, throwing it high too against Duffy. He was throwing it up high, and Duffy. It's strange. You think a uh, a high cutter, a high fastball wouldn't be a ground ball pitch, but it could be the hitter going up there trying to get it. You know, misreading that and actually going too high and driving that ball into the ground, putting topspin on the ball, and driving it into the ground. And, uh, you know, think of a tennis shot, right? You put that topspin on it to get the ball to dive once it crosses the net. Same concept here, going up high with their swing, puts the topspin on it, drives it to Cesar Hernandez at second, and it's a fourth double play, and this one ends the game, and man, did I need that. He was fired up with that double play. And it's huge. I mean, it's absolutely huge. The defense absolutely saved the Indians tonight. It kept them in the game when uh, the Cubs had plenty, plenty of chances to score. The Cubs tonight were 1-for-12 with runners in scoring position. And that is all due to the strikeout from Shane Bieber and to the defense from the Indians tonight. The Indians were 1-for-2 with runners in scoring position because... They did it. The next storyline, it was all about the home run ball for the Indians. Uh, They were facing a pitcher they had never faced before, Alzaleh and and, uh, Adbert Alzaleh. And he had made a couple appearances in 2019, a couple appearances in 2020, but really getting a chance here in 2021. And he's, he's a pretty good pitcher. I mean, he throws the slider a ton and was keeping the Indians hitters off balance, except, except one bad pitch to Jose Ramirez in the fourth and one bad pitch to Cesar Hernandez in the fifth was spelled as doom. It's spelled, the Indians had five hits on the night. That's it. Five hits, three runs on five hits because of two home runs. Now, I do not want to be a team that lives and dies by the home run, but we talked about it. Uh, you know, after uh, Saturday's game when they scored nine runs without hitting a home run, now they only could score on the home run tonight. But it's enough. It's enough to get the job done. And uh, what were the pitches that uh, Jose Ramirez definitely hit a high fastball out? Jose Ramirez one was an interesting situation because he had actually he started out three and O to Jose Ramirez gets a called strike with a sinker, goes to his slider, gets a swinging strike with his slider. This one was um, way down and in. Comes back, throws another slider that was a foul ball, and then finally goes high, tries to go high after throwing him six pitches down at the knees, goes high with a fastball, and if there's one thing Jose Ramirez is always ready for, it is a fastball. And he cranks it out to right field for a no-doubt-about-it home run. The exit velocity was 104.5 miles per hour, a launch angle of 25 degrees, and a distance of 387. An expected batting average of 1,000. It was a no-doubt-about-it. And it tied him for the league lead, I believe, or maybe the AL lead, in home runs. Now, we'll I don't know what's going to happen the rest of tonight. Maybe someone passed him, but... Yeah, absolutely beautiful swing from Jose Ramirez and a big mistake from Alzale, giving him a pitch up like that to hit after he'd been just pounding the ball down the entire time. Uh, There was something in there about uh, Jose Ramirez thinking something was ball four, reaching for his shin guard to take off his shin guard. It must have been this fourth pitch that was the called strike because he swung at the next two. So, I don't know what that other pitch could have been. But uh, yeah, I, I believe in this at bat, Jose Ramirez thought he had a walk. And uh, the, the back continues and he ends up hitting a home run, which is in contrast to what happens to Eric Sogard in the next inning. Because just after the Indians tie the game, Sogard comes up to lead off the, uh, the fifth inning for the Cubs. And Shane Bieber this time thinks he has a strikeout. He uh, starts him 1-0 on a fastball, gets a called strike, then two foul balls on knuckle curves, finally lays off a knuckle curve in the dirt. That brings the count to uh, 2-2, and then throws him a four-seam fastball, I mean, right on that inside edge. A beautiful pitch. It's going to get called a strike 95% of the time, but If you look at the pitch track, if you look at the pitch chart on Baseball Savant, it's off the plate. It was. I mean, you're going to get that call most of the time as Shane Bieber. He doesn't get that call and tries to throw him another fastball in the same spot, but this one creeps back over the plate, and Sogard, little Eric Sogard, hits it for a home run. Sogard was a guy that was definitely talked about with the Indians possibly going after back two years ago when we really needed someone to fill in at second base after Kipnis was done. Uh, I remember his name in the offseason leading into the 2020 season, and instead we got Cesar Hernandez. Well, Sogard played with Milwaukee that season, and now he's with the Cubs and gets a home run off of the reigning Cy Young winner, Shane Bieber. But don't worry because the Indians come right back. Like I said, all we can do is hit home runs, this time, uh, Cesar Hernandez does it on Alzale's best pitch. He threw him his best pitch. The only problem is he threw it up a little bit. Uh, he had already thrown him one in that spot for a called strike. He had thrown him two more sliders down. One was a swinging strike. One was too low. It was a ball. He throws him a six slider. He threw him four sliders in a row to end the at-bat. And the last one was up in the strike zone at the belt, and he unloads it 103.8 miles per hour, 401 feet for a home run. And Cesar Hernandez does not hit many, no doubt about it, home runs. He is definitely a doubles hitter. And uh, we saw a couple of those from him in spring training, I feel like, but the ball always flies out in Arizona. We don't see many, no doubt about it, home runs from Cesar in the regular season. And this one was huge. Andres Jimenez was on base. And it's a two-run home run to give the Indians the lead, and that's that's it. That's the scoring this game. Everything else came down to pitching in a battle between this young starter for the Cubs, Alzolay, and can we say veteran Shane Bieber? I mean, if he's the veteran of his pitching staff, so I think we have to. I mean, it's absurd to, for a guy to be a veteran this young. But he's been battling for a really long time. He's been in the spotlight for a really long time. And, yeah, he feels he feels like a veteran now. Um, looking at the player breakdowns, looking at the pitching breakdown between the two of them, the, the, the battle between the two of them is kind of my last storyline because Shane Bieber really had a battle today. It did not seem like he had a feel for his slider. It did not seem like he had a feel for his fastball even. Uh, He didn't throw a changeup today. He threw the knuckle curve a ton because it was the only pitch that was working for him. And it could have been the Cubs' approach. The Cubs were very aggressive early in the game, especially against the fastball. And the fastball got hit hard a couple of times, uh, including the very first pitch of the game. So he definitely went to the knuckle curve and went, look, this is the only pitch that is working for me. It's the only pitch I can locate right now. And it's the only pitch they can't hit. So I am going to lean on this darn thing. And he got nine whiffs on it. He got nine called strikes on it. It's good for a CSW of 35%, which I think league average, or if a good level of CSW uh, based on this season was around 30%. So if you're above 30% CSW, you're doing pretty good. He was 29 total on the day, 29%. But on that individual pitch, the knuckle curve, He was at 35%. Threw it 52 times. As opposed to the four-seam fastball, he only threw 41 times. Uh, Azaleh, on the other side of this thing, threw the slider 44 times. Threw his hard sinker, which he can get up there at 95. He was averaging 92 on it, so it works like a fastball. He threw that 38 times. Uh, And his four-seam fastball, he only threw it eight times, and the changeup he threw four times. The slider... He was up at a 48% CSW on his slider. On 29 swings, the Indians whiffed 15 times. That's 52% were whiffs. More than half the time, they whiffed on that pitch. That is incredible. Like I said, a 48% CSW. His total CSW on the day, everything else was a little more average, was 35%. So that is the battle there, and it just felt like, looking at the illustrator, it just felt like Shane Bieber threw a ton of pitches in the strike zone. I mean, that's why he was getting hit so hard. He was in the zone. It was getting him strikeouts. He got his eight strikeouts, 20 games in a row now, with eight strikeouts, but yeah, he threw a ton of pitches in the zone. All his fastballs, a lot of his fastballs are in the zone, on the plate, and they were getting hit hard. Uh, The curveball, he was missing with a little more, but even the slider, he couldn't keep out of the center of the plate. He threw a bunch of sliders that were definitely hittable pitches. The curveball, he was dropping. He was still dropping the hammer on the curveball, and that saved him a ton. So in the end, it's a great battle between the two pitchers, but Shane Bieber is able to come out on top. His final line, six and two-thirds, nine hits. He did get hit hard. He gave up. Uh, let's see here. The Indians pitching gave up a total of eleven hard hits. He gave up nine of them, uh, as opposed to Auzele, who gave up only eight hard hit balls. So, I, like I said, they were they were both battling out there. Uh, Bieber six and two thirds, nine hits, two earned runs, three walks, which is unusual for Bieber. Uh, they were they did work them into some full counts and eight strikeouts to keep the streak going. One hundred and twenty one pitches. You feel like Terry Francona kind of left him out there just to get that eighth strikeout, just to keep that streak going. I'm surprised he went 121 pitches this early into the season. Francona said in the postgame, it's not going to happen very often. Azale, six innings, only five hits. Three earned runs, though, because of the two home runs. No walks, six strikeouts on 94 pitches. So yeah, it was a heck of a battle between the two pitchers. For the rest of the Indians' offense, Fermil Reyes was ice cold tonight. Eddie Rosario was ice cold. Naylor did have a good hit in the first. Harold Ramirez, I think also he had three hard-hit balls, but only one hit to show for it. Uh, Jimenez got on uh, and was able to score that run, so that's huge. Uh, And Hedges was one for three on the night. But I got to give MVP for the day... I mean, normally we give it to Shane Bieber every time he starts, but he was really battling tonight. He was really fighting and struggling out there. It was not a, uh, a classic Shane Bieber start. So I'm going to give MVP for the day. He was only one for four, but it was the hit of the day. It was the two-run home run to put the Indians ahead, and I'm giving MVP of the, of the day to Cesar Hernandez. It was a huge hit, a two-run a home run, And uh, yeah, Cesar Hernandez did have three hard hit balls on the day. Exit velocity, 95 miles per hour plus. But they only has one hit to show for all that. But it was the big one. It was the important one. And it was the one that gave the Indians the win. So Cesar Hernandez, who doesn't hit home runs very often, you get MVP for the day. All right, I said I was going to talk a little bit about hitting. And if you go check out The Athletic, I still have my, I think, a dollar a month subscription from when I interviewed Zach Meisel. Um, he, Zach has a great article up there right now about the Indians hitting and Indians' philosophy to hitting and basically why the front office is trying to catch up to the pitching side of things. So they're so good at developing their pitchers, right? The pitching factory of Cleveland. But they just can't seem to do it with the hitters and especially outfielders. And man, when he starts listing off names of, number one, all the outfielders that the Indians have drafted that have either flamed out or been traded away or just haven't made it yet, and then all the names of the outfielders that they've signed to try to fill those gaps until some of those hitters can develop, I mean, these names will be a blast. Marlon Bird and Cargo and just all these guys that they've brought in hoping, hoping to fill the gap in the outfield. So yeah. It's a really interesting article on, you know, what the Indians are trying to do, trying to do to catch up their analytics and their data and their film study on the hitting side of things with the pitching side of things. And the answer, I'll let you in on the the conclusion of the article, is they still haven't figured it out yet. And, And apparently nobody in baseball has figured it out yet because Major League batting average across the league is ridiculously low. It was like 234, I think, going into yesterday's games or something like that. So yeah, it's insanely low across the board. Pitching, this is the year of the pitcher again. Like we've gotten back to the year of the pitcher from the 1960s. So something's probably coming. Something like not allowing shifts or moving the mound back or there's probably something coming from Major League Baseball to try to generate more offense because the pitchers are just that much further ahead than the hitters across the board. Believe me, it is not just in Cleveland, although it's pretty rough in Cleveland right now. But it was enough for the Indians to win. So go check out that article on the Athletic if you if you subscribe or you have a friend or a sibling with a login account. You know, go check out that article and you'll understand a little bit about what's going on in the front office. Um, we're not having the success that Chris Bryant is having by, you know, hitting off the tee and his swinging at high fastballs all offseason. There were no stories like that in his article. So whatever these Indians are working on, um, hopefully, hopefully our analytics department, you know, the, the smartest guys in the room are able to finally figure something out to let these talented ball players figure out how the heck to get some hits all right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Nightly. The final again from Progressive Field. It's the Indians 3, the Cubs 2. We got some day baseball tomorrow. It's going to be Henches is going to get his start. He, he Because of the snow out, rain out, he gets pushed back. Uh, he's going up against Davies for the Cubs. We'll be back to talk about that. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at Cleveland Baseball Mornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Nightly.